Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. I think most people go into marriage looking for that happily ever after state, uh, whatever that is. But immediately it just seems like, golly, there's a lot of work here to reach any part of happy, let alone ever after. I'm John Fuller along with Greg Smalley. And uh, Greg, why are people so optimistic about marriage? I mean, before, especially before they get married. Well, why is that? Everybody wants a great marriage. They're excited with that hope, that possibility as they've looked off into the distance of what they hope their marriage is going to look like. Have you ever counseled a couple that says, yeah, when we get married, we want it to be, you know. <laughs> Awful. Miserable. <Yeah>. Doesn't <laughs> Boring. happen. Yeah. It, it doesn't. The problem is I think the fantasy they buy into is in order to get that whatever we're dreaming about for our marriage that somehow we can sort of hit the cruise control button or the yeah. autopilot. Show up and it'll happen. Right. Send yeah. our marriage down the road and it's going to be okay. And it just doesn't work that way. Well, Dr. Gary Chapman is going to address that today uh, as he talks with Jim Daly. Why wouldn't we want the best for our spouse? Why do we all of a sudden become uh, indifferent to our marriages? I think many times it comes across as controlling or sometimes we use the word nagging. And we feel like, well, they're trying to make me do something I don't want to do. Or they're trying to make me be somebody that I'm not. And we see it as controlling. And none of us like to be controlled. And so we get defensive. If we view it as an effort to control us, we get defensive. I mean, look, the 15 things they keep harping on. They don't like me. They wish they weren't married to me. And then we get to where we don't like them. So I think if we don't have a plan for handling these irritations, we tend to end up you know, feeling the other person doesn't love us, the other person doesn't want to be married to us. And that's not a good feeling to have when you're in a marriage. Why do you think, though, that you go in on your wedding day, everything is so happy, and you've dated and you think this is Mr. or Mrs. Right, and you get into marriage, and then you find these little quirks that irritate you, and the communication begins to dwindle. He doesn't talk to me the way he used to talk to me when he dated me. Now he just comes home and grunts and watches Monday Night Football. Yeah. Um, what is happening there in that relationship that really is a microcosm, perhaps, of the bigger culture? We tend to be a coarser culture today. We're less interested in other people. We're more narcissistic, more self-focused, yeah. more yeah. me-focused. Is all of this playing into these relationships, our marriages, to where we struggle redeeming conflict and making it better and using a biblical approach to doing so? I think it is, Jim. You know, before we get married and while we're dating, we're in the in love stage. And when you're in in that stage of the relationship, the other person's perfect. I mean, everything about them is perfect. Your mother can see their flaws, but you can't see their (laughs) flaws, you know. Uh, But when we get married, we come down off of that. The average lifespan is about two years of that. So if you've been dating for two years, you may come down on the honeymoon. We come down from that. Now we're back to being normal. And normal in our culture is self-centered. And so we start processing marriage from a self-centered perspective. We have all these expectations we have of our spouse. They have expectations of us. And when we don't meet those expectations, we not only lose the euphoria, we now have negative feelings toward them. 
And then they start bringing up these little things that irritate them, and we have more negative feelings toward them. So we move from this euphoria to a very negative, emotionally negative relationship with each other. And But I think you're exactly right. I think as Christians, we have to come back to the basic concept that love is the key to all relationships. Mm. We love God because God first loved us. And Jesus said that as I have loved you, you love others. Love is looking out for the other person's interest. And in a marriage, if I have as a husband the attitude of Christ, and I'm looking out for my wife's interest, and my attitude is, honey, how can I help you? How can I make your life easier? How can I be a better husband to you? She's going to tell me, and I'm going to be able to minister to her. And if she has that attitude toward me, then I'm going to be looking out and doing those things for her. So we can process our humanity if we let the love of Christ control our hearts. Mm. That's the key issue, is we got to have a heart that reaches out for the other person. Oh, that is so well put. Um, I'm thinking of a word you use there, which is expectations. And it seems to me that even in my own experience, in my own marriage, but those that I've counseled and talked with, that is the pitfall of relationship. And in marriage, you you do end up with a lot of expectations uh, for your spouse and what they're going to do. And when those expectations aren't met, you do get hard of heart, don't you? Yeah, you do. How does a couple, how, how do we declare those expectations? How do we um, maybe change those expectations in the relationship? And talk about it perhaps over a 30-year marriage. What happens in the early years, the middle years, and the later years? Yeah. Well, I think in the early years, we're getting to know each other, and we're discovering what the hot spots are in our relationship. We're discovering those things over which we get defensive about each with each other. And that's why I say to young couples, better to have a weekly time that you sit down and say to each other, how are we doing? How am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a wife? And, and just a time to share with each other what the hot spots might be. Mm. And then talk about how can we do it better? How can we make it better for each other? If you start that kind of relationship in the early years, you can carry it with you all the way through the middle years and the latter years. And you develop this concept that I'm in this relationship for you and you are in this relationship for me. And we both have that attitude. If you carry that through the years, you will process the conflicts, You'll process the challenges that you face in life, whether it's physical disease or all kind of other things that we face as we move along. But it's the attitude, it's the heart that helps us do that. And that's ideal. I would want to give hope to the middle year and the later year folks that if they haven't done that and there's stress in their relationship, always has been, it's not too late to start, right? No. We start where we are. And anytime you wake up and realize things are not good, things are not what they should be, the question is, okay, what can we do to make it different? I really appreciate Gary Chapman so much. He has such wisdom, and you can tell he has talked to so many couples. Greg, let's address the folks out there who want to improve. They, I mean, they want their marriage to get better, which is probably most of us, but their spouse isn't playing along. And so this is, this is me trying to make our marriage better. It's not a good place to be. You know, it's so frustrating when you feel like you're the only one working on the marriage Remember that you have incredible influence over your spouse. You can't control them, but you have enormous influence, and that's the good news. Think of it as a game of ping pong. John, if you and I are playing ping pong right now, I'll hit the ball to you in a certain way, 
and you're going to hit it back. Well, I can't control how you swing your paddle or how you make contact. But I can tell you this, if I put a different spin on the ball, even if you try to hit the ball the same way you've always done, it's going to come off of your paddle differently because Mm. I've put spin on it. So spin inside our marriage is recognizing that I can influence. So how do we do that? How do we put different spin on our the marriage ping pong ball? I think one is model what you want to see happen in your relationship. Like, for example, Aaron one time was really frustrated with me because I wasn't initiating prayer as a couple. Now, she could have continued to harp on that, nag on that, criticize me. You're just not the spiritual leader. What she started doing is initiating prayer. I started to reap the benefits of that. I saw what it did, how it brought us together, and all of a sudden I started to initiate prayer. I'm not saying that's going to work every time, but look at the things that you really want and go, what What would that look like for me to model? If you want more time with your spouse, initiate that. Plan a date night. It doesn't always work, but it's a good beginning yeah. place. The other way that Aaron has dealt with me around things that she wanted to see differently is that she would affirm me around doing those things, even if I wasn't necessarily doing it. Like, like Greg, she, I love how you initiate prayer. Oh, wait, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> she would say something like, you know what? When, when we pray together, mm. I feel so incredibly connected. Thank you for taking the time to do that with me. That makes such a big difference. Although I wasn't initiating it, what she kept doing is reinforcing why that was so important, yeah. how she loved that. Even she loves gifts, so her love language is gifts. And so she would say to me, when you bring me a gift, here's what that does. And then she'll tell me why that's so beneficial and how close and connected she feels with me. And it, and it plants that thought in my mind. Now I get why that's important, and I'm more likely than to do that. See, she can't control if I'm going to stop and pick her up a card or some flowers or yeah. a little gift card, whatever. But she she will affirm when you do that. She's not saying, you know, if or, hey, the other day went. She's saying when you do that, this is the benefit. And I'm telling you, John, that made such a big difference, and that reinforced that behavior in me. And I— did that more often. I don't like gifts, so that's not something I naturally would think about. But just the way that she handled it, instead of nagging or complaining, you never, she made it, when you do this, this is the benefit. And I thought that was, <laughs> she. I feel a little played now, but <laughs> it, it made a big difference. Yeah. Accentuate the positive. Right. Yeah. Well, head over to our website for more advice, more resources. Uh, this podcast is just one part of what we have for you, books, articles, videos, and so much more. Greg and his team are committed to helping you thrive in your marriage. And uh, certainly one way to do that is to get Dr. Chapman's book, Happily Ever After. It's a terrific resource, and we'll send a complimentary copy as our thank you gift when you make a donation of any amount to Focus on the Family. By the way, you can also get a digital download of the entire conversation Jim Daly and I had with Gary Chapman about this. Well, next time, Greg's wife, Erin, is going to be joining us as we talk about substitutes in the relationship for intimacy and the damage they bring. Until then, I'm John Fuller, and on behalf of the whole team, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. 